For our, our time today, you're going to need this insert in the bulletin. Um, if you need one, you can raise your hand. One of the ushers can get you one. Or if you need a Bible, we're in Luke chapter 10. Uh, you're going to need this insert today. It's in your bulletin. Or if you put your hand up, one of the ushers could get you one. Or if you need a Bible, we're in Luke chapter 10 today. And I hope, um, like Rich mentioned, you do stop by the the shell room today after this service to talk to one of the CDC program heads or one of the board members, or you can get one of these fresh t-shirts right here. 10 bucks has a way of supporting New Life CDC programming that's going to be after the service today. So we're in a series called The Rule of Life, and simply put, it's about keeping Jesus at the center of all we do. Rule of life is meant to keep Jesus, the love of God, both giving and receiving the love of God in the center of all that we do. Um, Jesus puts it this way in John chapter 15. Uh, the reason why this is critical is because apart from me, Jesus said, you can do nothing. That's pretty sobering words from, from Jesus. Imagine for a moment a life that amounts or that leads or that does nothing. How sad is that? The good news is at the same time, in that same verse, Jesus gives the opposite of a life that does nothing. It reads, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. And so the opposite of a life that does nothing is a life that bears much fruit. And that kind of life happens when we see ourselves as branches. We see ourselves as branches connected to the vine who is Jesus? And this picture comes to mind. Branches need support, just like what's shown here. It's being supported by this framework or trellis so that that branch becomes more fruitful. And so the rule of life is like that trellis. It's like that support. It's like that framework. It's a, it's a framework so that we can be more fruitful as we follow and keep center and keep Christ at the center. And so a rule of life looks like this. Um, that's what you see on, on the insert and four sections, just like um, Rich, our lead pastor, spoke about last week. There's prayer, rest, relationships, and work. And keep in mind that a rule of life is not just, it's not a bunch of rules. Um, some of you might have a negative reaction to the word rule, but it's not meant to bring condemnation or judgment. Uh, the word rule simply means trellis. Just like what you saw with those branches, it's meant to be a support. Um, Pete, the founding pastor of New Life, describes it this way. It's rule of life is a structure, rhythm of our life, for our lives, that enables us to pay attention to God in everything that we do. In everything that we do. Again, there are these four parts, and our hope is that uh, in each of these sections, especially if it's your first time doing this, that each box will have two or three action points. So two or three action points that guide you in your prayer upward. Two or three action points that guide you inward and in rest before God. Two or three action points that guide you withward. That's a word that we made up in relationships with others. And then lastly, two or three action points that lead you outward in your work, both paid or unpaid, as you live out mission for Christ. And now, as a, as a church, um, this would be your personal rule of life. But, so, but as a church, we have a rule of life as well. And in the bottom right section, that work mission, for the church, 
It's made up of these four actions or elements. Empower the poor and marginalized. Share our gifts generously. Savor the sacred in all things. And then lastly, embrace all work as full-time ministry. And this is our prayer. Our prayer is that each of you here in this room um, who falls in love with Jesus, recognize that you need to keep Jesus in the center of all things. We need to remain connected to the vine and so that you will begin to develop a rule of life as a way of keeping Christ at the center so that you can bear much fruit. And so today my focus is going to be that section, that bottom right section, um, as I focus on mission, specifically as it relates to the stranger. Work and mission as it relates to the stranger among us. And by way of introduction, um, let me show this quick video with that film. Is Jordan here? That, That young man, is he? Is, oh, he was here? You know, today, and he's in Elmhurst tomorrow, Hollywood. He did a really, great, a really great job with that. So the title is Rule of Life with a subtitle, Life with Strangers. Last week, it was Life Together. Um, today, it's Life with Strangers. There's a phrase that's been coming up in my home, um, and it's stranger danger. Uh, it's been coming up because my oldest daughter, who's 11 years old, is becoming more independent. She's moving into, or she's now in middle school, and Um, Stranger danger is something that comes up, as we just talked about. And stranger uh, danger describes this caution or fear against a stranger that might do you harm. And there's wisdom in talking about stranger danger when it comes to uh, caring for our children, absolutely. But when it comes to the spiritual lives of adults, like the spiritual lives represented here, practicing stranger, stranger danger which is keeping strangers at a distance, can actually harm your spiritual life. And let's just get something clear here. When I talk about a stranger, I'm not talking about um, that guy who walks around at midnight with a machete in his hand and he's foaming at the mouth. I mean, you, you call 911 on that person. That's not the stranger I'm talking about. The stranger that I'm talking about is maybe that homeless individual that you pass by each day that day laborer or that person in the neighborhood that may feel isolated or alone. Maybe it's that person that you notice in school or maybe at work or maybe it's that immigrant worker that speaks no English, uh, the sick or the, the imprisoned. In many cases, interaction with a stranger, like the ones I mentioned, actually enriches your spiritual life. And in the passage today, Jesus shows that there's a better way than stranger danger because stranger danger can damage the soul. But Jesus teaches to practice instead stranger care. Because stranger care actually brings about a fuller experience of the kingdom of God. It brings about that fruitful life that we were talking about. And so here's the invitation question for us. Is there room in your life for stranger care? Or maybe is there room in your personal rule of life for stranger care? And so if you don't mind, just bow your head for a moment. Let me just pray for us in our time. Father in heaven, we ask that you give us grace to to hear 
uh, your voice and how um, you're inviting us to engage with people that we pass by on a daily basis, easily neglected and overlooked. And yet, Father, there's an opportunity to experience the kingdom of God as we engage. Help us what it means, Lord, to relate to the stranger as, as we look into your word and your scripture. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. 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 And so if you don't mind, just turning to Luke chapter 10, um, starting in verse um, 25. It reads, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, what is written in the law, he replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, he proceeds to tell this story. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho because of those locations. We're presuming that this man is Jewish when he was attacked by robbers. And then it continues, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down that same road, and when he saw that man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he too passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him, and then he went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. And then it ends, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And then Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Amen. So these law experts um, ask Jesus, how does one inherit eternal life? And so Jesus proceeds to describe, and he says, love God and love others. Love your neighbor. Um, And then he begins to unpack what it means to love your neighbor. And what's interesting in his answer is that when he says love others, love your neighbor, he doesn't describe familiar relationships. He doesn't describe a relationship with your spouse He doesn't describe a relationship with family members. He doesn't describe relationships with your friends, which is what we talked about last week and significant as these relationships are. When Jesus was talking about eternal life, he actually talks about this relationship with a stranger. It's a parable about stranger care. And so think about this for a moment. If... If when talking about eternal life, Jesus says, love God and love others, and then when he talks about others, he talks about loving a stranger in the context of talking about eternal life, then that means there's something eternally significant about this relationship. There is something eternally significant about our interaction with these strangers. And what Jesus is saying is that stranger care is a glimpse of the kingdom of God. 
It's a trait of the kingdom of God. And so you cannot talk about the kingdom of God without talking about stranger care. You cannot talk about the kingdom of God without talking about our relationship with the stranger. It is part of that conversation. It is not only about love for family, friends, the people that we know. It also involves this love and this care for the stranger in need because the presence of Christ is there. And he said, whatever you do to one of these, the least of my brothers, you do unto me. And so when you see stranger care on the street or when you actually live this out yourself, there's a presence of Jesus Christ that is present. And that happens. And there's another thing, too, that Jesus is trying to communicate here. So when the, when the law experts were asking him, well, who is my neighbor? In essence, they're asking, well, who is the kind of person, what is the kind of person that I'm supposed to love? And so, but not only does Jesus describe the kind of person you're supposed to love, he also describes the kind of person you're supposed to be. He doesn't only describe the kind of person you're supposed to love, but also the kind of person that you're supposed to be. And so this parable really forces this question, what kind of person are you? What kind of person are you? Are you the kind of person who loves the neglected, or are you the kind of person who neglects to love? And so let's, let's, let's go back to this parable for a moment. In verse 31, even, even the Levite and the priest neglected the stranger. Now, the work of the Levite and the priest is to, the work of, to do the work of God. And yet the work of God of showing mercy and compassion was overlooked. And when, I'm, when I just meditate on this picture, um, I, I wonder if the poor and wounded is really that man on the ground or is the poor and wounded person the one who does nothing? Something that I wonder. And here's the reality. It's actually quite easy. It's quite easy and many times even appealing to simply keep the stranger out. Uh, there are many neighborhoods and communities that form to keep the stranger out, to make sure that there is no stranger danger experienced. And then this kind of sentiment is, is all across the news. I mean, we, we, um, we hear of uh, deportations of individuals and families as a form of stranger danger. Uh, the, the refugee situation, 30 million people. It's a story about 30 million strangers. And so many countries have closed their doors to them. And stranger danger can be so easy. Um, I don't know about you, but it happens with me as well. Um, just, the, just, uh, just the other week, I was, I was hungry, went to a deli, um, set my eyes on some salad and some salmon and some quinoa and... Um, picks him up, sat in front of the storefront window and started to eat. And then um, there's this gentleman on a wheelchair that pulls up to the front. Um, obviously, he was hungry and he was looking for food. And so you know what I did? I began to kind of scoot over to the right so he doesn't see me stuffing my face. Not one grain of quinoa went to that man. Not proud of it. Maybe you can identify with me. So clearly I could see the kind of person I'm supposed to love. But it's a totally different conversation to ask, well, what kind of person do I need to be? 
The first question is quite easy. The second question is the invitation for us. What kind of person am I supposed to be? Do I love the neglected or do I neglect to love? But thank God for Jesus. Thank God that Jesus shows us a better way in Luke chapter 10. And if you meditate, if you meditate on this passage, there's so much richness that you'll find with it. Just ask the Holy Spirit to come speak to you about what Christ is trying to speak to you in this passage. And the, these are just some of the observations uh, that, I've, that I've made that stranger care stops. It stops. It doesn't just keep on walking. It stops and sees the need and then walks closer to that person. Stranger care is also spontaneous, um, just like how that Good Samaritan reacted. And it's also planned. How do I know it's planned? Because this guy had bandages. What kind of person carries around bandages? Stranger care crosses race because those two races had no dealings with each other. And then also stranger care shows action after compassion. How many times have I felt compassion and then, sell, and then said, well, oh well, and then I just keep on moving? Have you been there? I have. But there is action that follows compassion. But for our time, what I'd like to do is simply unpack two other um, actions, and I hope these actions make its way to your personal rule of life. And I'm also hoping that um, maybe New Life CDC could be a program or a vehicle where you can begin to live this out. And so if, if that's your kind of the bottom right section of your rule of life, as, as I share today, may it begin to fill up with what you sense the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. That first action that I just want to focus on starts with verse 34 in the middle of the screen where it reads, but a Samaritan as he traveled came where the man was and when he saw him, he took pity on him, went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense that you may have. Stranger care gives generously until the need is met. Gives generously until the need is met. Just check out for a moment. What went out from this man? Bandages, oil, wine, time with the donkey, denarii. And look, the Samaritan stays overnight to care for this man. And then he hands the innkeeper, what he pretty much does is he hands over his credit card. Use it as you see fit. I'll pay the monthly expense. I mean, is your, is your reaction like mine? I mean, this guy, is, this guy is giving so much of himself. And these two people are strangers. They're enemies. And yet when Jesus was talking about eternal life, this is the kind of relationship that we're to have with a stranger. This is an expression of love, this kind of giving. Man, I mean, I just got to ask myself, and ask us here, are we ready to give like this? Because this is what it means to love. 
This is what it means to love. And so that's, that's why I'm so, uh, I'm so inspired by um, the stories that come out of Booster Club. They're the picture to the left and also success groups, the anti-poverty project here at, at New Life and how um, there are so many parents with significant need. There are some parents, they come to us and they reveal to us that they make them less than $15,000 a year in New York City. And some of them weep when they come to us because they can't afford after-school help, and they feel like failures when they come to us. And so the need is real because of these financial struggles. But where there has been significant need, there has also been an overwhelming show of generosity in each of these situations. Uh, I can't tell you the, the, the kind of emails or, or physical letters that I get uh, with people offering their time, their talent, their treasure. It's overwhelming in, in the best sense of the word. And many of these small donations, they come with such big sacrifice and stories attached to them. In fact, a Booster Club was actually birthed with a gift of $6,000. And then from time to time, I'll, I'll, get, a, a, I'll get a physical letter that, that has a check in the tens of thousands of dollars. These are, these are modern-day good Samaritans that walk around. It's a sign of the kingdom of God. This kind of flow of resources, it's, it's, a, it's a glimpse of the kingdom of God. These flow of resources to address a need. And so if today, if you want to go check out one of the program heads downstairs and you want to cut a check, cut a check for a million dollars today to one of the program heads, I will not refuse it. I will not refuse you. And so just the last, um, the last action that I want to mention um, that I hope makes its way to your personal rule of life, the first is that it gives generously until the need is met. The second is that stranger care returns to that place of need until the need is met. Let's go back to um, the scripture where it says on the bottom of the screen, it says, the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, look after him, he said, and when I return, when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Look, the Samaritan really could have just left him there. Truth be told, if the Samaritan... Uh, if this good Samaritan bandaged up the wounds, put the oil of healing upon him, just put him under the care of another, he would have, he would have patted himself in the back, taken a selfie, posted it, and he would have still been considered a hero. Wouldn't he? And yet, you know what he does? He comes back. He comes back. Stranger care is not a one-hit wonder. It comes back to that place of need. And so I know many of you, you you've, engaged, you've engaged a stranger, um, and, and so have I. But the next question for us is, have you gone back? Do you go back to that place of need? Or are you like me, I feel proud about what I've done, and then I just keep on walking? Stranger care goes back, returns to that place of need until the need is met. This is a glimpse of the kingdom of God. And again, when I, when I look at the different 
um, programs under New Life CDC. I see the, the staff and the leadership coming back. Um, it's a beautiful picture of the young governors, these kind of young, modern-day Good Samaritans stooping down to be able to speak to people that people so easily overlook. Uh, leaders at Storytime and Girl Scouts, um, Cub Scouts, coming back on a weekly basis to this place of need. Uh, folks in ESL, people choosing to give up of their time and their talent and treasure to be able to overcome language barriers. Um, same in the, the food pantry and then the health center and how these guys and um, these men and women come back on a weekly basis. These modern-day Good Samaritans, it's a glimpse of the kingdom of God that's taking place in our midst when they return to that place of need until the need is met. Are we willing to do the same? And there's actually another story that I just want to give about um, returning to the to the returning to a place of need, and then it's just actually been un- unfolding the past um, couple of uh, days. Um, and so there's there's this uh, gentleman. He comes to New Life, and um, he's part of one of the missional neighborhood small groups here at New Life. And he's been going to this park uh, across the street from Elmhurst Hospital. Some of you may be familiar with that park. And so he's been going there every uh, every Wednesday afternoon. And he's uh, a small community actually began to f- to form. And what he was doing there, he was sharing the gospel, he was sharing scripture, he was giving this testimony, and also listening to the stories of the men that started to form in that, in that, in that small section of the park. And many of these men are homeless. Uh, many of them um, are in bondage to alcoholism. Uh, and so as he continued to go, he would invite um, some of us to go with him, and he would continue this week, week after week, um, and months passed by. Um, and then his voice, uh, this new lifer's voice, as he would talk to me, just um, got a little bit more and more excited about what was happening because many of them started to turn to Christ and actually receive Christ as Savior. And then I knew, yeah, you can, you can clap, but you'll clap even more after I tell you what happens after that. <laughs> and some of them now wanted to get baptized. And then I knew that that was going to be a problem. Because I said, will these guys walk over to New Life, be part of a video shoot, stand in front of all these strangers and get dunked? And I said, these guys are not going to do this. And so we said, what do we do like, to, to support their journey toward, toward following Jesus? And then we said, you know, so I, I prayed with this New Lifer, and I said, I have a feeling that we're going to baptize these people around there. I think this faith began to rise up in us. I think there's probably going to be maybe like an office building or maybe a house or maybe a church around that park that maybe has a bathtub or something. I just, I just sense it. And so we, um, we kind of giggled about that possibility and who would open their doors. I mean, who would possibly do this? And so we started to walk around. The first person that we spoke to um, turned out to be a super of a building. Right, right next to that park. And then we said, um, excuse me, we're, you know, we meet with these men over here on a weekly basis. And then I didn't even finish what I was saying. He goes, I hate those men. <laughs> then I was like, I said, why do you hate those men? He said, those men, they pee on my corner. 
They walk around drunk. And then idea came up. I said, well, you know, we're talking to them about Jesus. Many of them are giving their lives to Christ. And Jesus sets people free. And he sets people free from alcoholism. And so imagine a day in the future where they give their lives to Christ, get baptized, they get set free from alcoholism, they become independent, and then they move away from in front of your building. <laughs> Wouldn't that be awesome? Aren't you willing to support what we do here in this neighborhood? And then he said, hmm, you know, like a good idea. And then I said to him, but we need to baptize some of them. Do you maybe have one apartment in this building where we could use the bathtub so that we can baptize some of these men as a part of their independence? He goes, you're crazy. <laughs> these are co-ops. Nobody's going to open up their home to you. And I said, well, what about, what about like in your basement? Maybe there's like a tub there, you know, something like that. He goes, no, 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 no. But I'll tell you what I can do, he said. And then my antennas perked up, you know. He goes, if you find a tub, I can give you water. I said, what do you mean? Like from one, you put a hose in one of the apartments? No, he goes, I got a spigot. Like I got a faucet right here. I said, where? Let me see it. I said, right here, you can use this faucet. And then finally I said, but what tub do I use? And then kiddie pool comes to mind. In fact, it was the same kiddie pool that that new lifer was baptized in. We still had it. And so we, we said, well, that needs, that needs a pump, and so it needs power. Um, do you have power, Mr. Super? And then the super said, well, he spoke to his assistant super, and then he says to his assistant super, you see these guys? Give them whatever they need. <laughs> We're like, oh, my gosh. It's actually a longer story than that, but um, <laughs> check out. That's it right there. And then, so that's, that's him in the striped shirt. Um, he's plates because, yeah, there are plates there because some new lifers found out about it, and they cook like six trays of food for the post-baptism celebration. We did worship in Spanish. There was a teaching and baptism. And then um, uh, there he is. Why do I bring this up? It was a glimpse of the kingdom of God. It was a glimpse of the kingdom of God. Was it messy? Absolutely. But was it holy? Yes. And you know how it resulted? It was because this one guy with this one other person, they just came back. They just went back to that place of need. They just returned week after week after week Believing that this is part of following Jesus Christ. And this is, this is what results. And, and so now, you know, when you see this, you might um, feel inspired. You're ready to go to Walmart or Target and buy your own kiddie pools. But I, 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 want, you, I, I want you to know that um, inspiration only goes so far. Inspiration might change your behavior for a day or two. Um, but inspiration doesn't change the heart. It doesn't convert the heart so we can live like good Samaritans. Even the rule of life is only a tool. These things don't change the heart. You know what truly converts the heart so that 
We're, we're motivated and compelled to live like good Samaritans. You know what truly changes the heart? It's a revelation of the love of Jesus Christ. That's what does it. It's a revelation of, the, of Jesus Christ's love for you. And even, even, even now as I talk about this picture, I ask that God give you this revelation. Because the revelation comes when we realize that it's Jesus Christ who is the ultimate good Samaritan. That is Jesus Christ. And so that means if Jesus Christ is the good Samaritan, that means that wounded traveler is you, is me. In fact, this room is filled with wounded travelers. This whole world is made up of wounded travelers, damaged by our own disobedience, enslaved by our own sin, left spiritually dead. Levites or priests can't rescue us. Education, religion, money, those things don't save us. Those things don't save us. And yet, Jesus Christ, the ultimate good Samaritan, comes into the picture. And I submit to you that when he was describing the parable of the good Samaritan, many of you guys know this, he was describing a picture of himself. When he comes down from heaven to earth, when he comes down to heaven to earth, he sees your, he saw your woundedness, he sees your woundedness, and he doesn't walk to the other side. He doesn't turn a blind eye. He doesn't look away. He stoops down and he bandages your wounds. And he pours upon you the oil of healing upon you, the oil of anointing upon you. And you know what he does? He stays with you. He stays with you night after night after night after night after night after night. And then even though he ascended back into heaven, he left you in the care of the innkeeper of his Holy Spirit to continue and to administer that healing upon you. And then he makes a promise. He said, I will come back. I will come back. I will come back for you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I've come back so that we could be together forever, that you can experience the fullness of what eternal life is. This is our good Samaritan. And it's only with that revelation that our hearts melt. Our hearts melt. Our hearts are converted. How can, how can we not show stranger care to another when we ourselves have received this kind of love and this kind of treatment? Amen. And so let me call the worship team up as... You know, in this, in this portion, I, I, I want to invite you as well to pull out that sheet of paper um, and just begin to fill it out. Uh, I'm going to give you 60 to, to 90 seconds to be able to reflect on how Christ may be leading you to practice stranger care, recognizing that we have been recipients of this kind of, of, this kind of love. And that's just, just by way of uh, example, um, here is mine, you know, it evolved to this, but that's why I love New Life CDC because New Life CDC could be training wheels for something very simple, something doable um, that, that you can begin to, to live out. And so for us, we give, um, we give, and we give on a monthly basis beyond what we give to the church and also just as a way of returning to that place of need. Um, once, once a month, I share a meal with the homeless that comes through our doors. Take advantage of this community here at New Life Fellowship. It's not every church that has a place with 
um, the overlooked and the neglected and the forgotten coming through our doors. Take advantage of this opportunity to be able to practice that kind of stranger care. And so I'm just going to give you a moment to begin to fill that out. I'll be the timekeeper for us. Stand together and sing. Myself to you. My life, my life is not my own. To you, I belong. I give myself, I give myself to you. My life, my life is not my own. To you, I belong. I give myself, I give myself to you. 
give myself Amen. Amen. Let's have our prayer team come to my left. Invite those who are going to be offering the bread and the cup to come to my right. You know, any act of self-giving love that comes from us is always a response to God's self-giving love. That God is the one who is always giving his love towards us. And it is out of that place of receiving God's love that we are called to offer that love to the world around us. And I love how red capture who we are in the story. We are fundamentally, first of all, not the Good Samaritan. We're, we're not the priest that goes by. We're not the Levite. We are fundamentally and primarily the man who lay there half dead. We are the one who Jesus needs to bandage up and pour out oil and wine on us. And until we recognize that's who we are, that is what's ultimately going to create in us a heart to then become the Samaritan. And so in a given day, we are both the man who lay half dead and the good Samaritan. And it is out of receiving the love of God that we are to offer that love to the world around us. Now, the, the truth is, all of us in this room, we are wounded travelers. We're wounded travelers. And some of you might, uh, you might, you might have come to church today, and on the outside, you look just fine. But on the inside, you are a wounded traveler, emotionally wounded, relationally wounded, mentally wounded, spiritually wounded. And you feel like there's no one around who can help. But here's the good news. Jesus is walking by. And Jesus says when the man, when the Samaritan, it says he saw him and took pity on him. And Jesus Christ, through the power of his spirit, sees you. And takes pity on you and puts mercy on you. And, and one of the ways that we receive the mercy of God is by receiving prayer. And so our prayer team is here. And maybe you came in here today, you're a wounded traveler. And listen, life gets hard. It gets tiring. And you just need someone to pray with you, to, to anoint you with oil as a sign of God's presence in your life. And so whatever need you came in here with, Whatever wounds you came in here with, whatever exhaustion you're here with today, we want to pray for you. And to my right, we have the Lord's table where you can come and eat and drink of Jesus. Now, at the end of our service downstairs, we're in our shell room. As I mentioned, we have our different program directors. And so if you want more information, you can check that out. And we also have our health center, which is opened up as well in the shell room, behind the shell room area. Uh, and so if you've never been through the doors of our health center, we see over 2,000 people per year and offer medical services, dental services, social work services, all within our building. And so if you've never gotten a tour of what's happening uh, in our medical facility downstairs, feel free to stop in there before you head out and see the good work that is taking place here at New Life. Now, as we close, I want to invite you to open your hands towards heaven to receive a blessing and we walk out of this place not with clenched fists but with open hands knowing that only we can only give what we have received and the, to receive to open our hands in this way is a posture of receiving and so with your hands and hearts in a posture of receiving brothers and sisters and sons and daughters of the living God may the Lord bless you and may he keep you Make his face to shine upon you and fill you with peace. 
May you walk out of this building in the power of the Holy Spirit, recognizing exactly who you are in this story. You are the man and the woman who lay there half dead. And yet Jesus Christ sees you and wants to raise you up into newness of life. And so may you receive the newness of life that only Jesus can give. And may you in turn offer that life to those you encounter this week. I bless you all today in the strong, in the beautiful, in the merciful name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Grace and peace to you all this day.